Credits. So, uh, John, is there anything you want to say to me? Anything you want to, like... What day is it today, John? No, not the literal day, John. Tell me what day it is today. Tell me you remember what today is. Tell me, John. This is not a one-act, one-man play. You can use your words. Tell me what today is. Arbor Day? No. I can't... I work so hard on this podcast, and you can't even remember our fourth year anniversary. Wait, is it really our fourth year anniversary? Well, it is tomorrow, um, but we don't record on Wednesday. Listen, I've I thought lot, I've we would do something nice for the fans at work, and you would like prepare a lot going something on. good, like a fancy dinner. You know, what? I don't ask for much. I don't. I just I, I I slave over the editing bay to prepare nice, tasty episodes for you. And what do I get in return? You don't even remember our our anniver- our fourth year anniversary. That's the guest star anniversary. Did you even book? Look, we a guest star. We've been podcasting for four years. I can't remember every single time we had. Oh, what, you you, what, are, you expect me to remember our twenty eighth podcast anniversary? First one special, maybe the second one. But at this point, I it's mean, supposed to be a foundation on which love can be built. Love for the podcast and for the fans and maybe even a little bit for me, your co-host. But I get it. You're busy at work. You're busy with your other things. (laughs) You're busy watching the big game. Gotta watch the big game. Look, I'll try try harder next year. I promise. Okay, well, I'll hold you to that. And I'll make it up to you. How? In an unspecified way. Wow, that's... At an unspecified time. Ah, well. Welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name's John! And together we're Henry and John coming at you to celebrate four years of tackling the cultural happenings of that there zeitgeist. That's right. Four years. That's like... Over 1,200 days. At least. (laughs) At least. I only multiplied one of the numbers. (laughs) You know, you're not wrong. Now, think about it. Four years. I don't know if anyone out there listening is aware of it, but that's 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019 all in the bag. Yeah, all in the bag. We wrapped them up, put a bow on them, and now we're here to... To tackle the new. And I think it's going to be pretty, pretty important. Like on every anniversary, we look back at the memories, much like a clip show. And I'd like to remember all of the four years we've been podcasting. Uh, but we've got a pretty stacked episode, so we're pretty limited on time. So I'd like to re- each of us to remember uh, the last four years with one word. So let's start with 2016. I'll let you go first. Oh, tw- oh okay. So each year... One word. One word. Sum up the whole year of our podcast. Yeah, but it's vital that you don't take too much time because, like I said, we have a stacked podcast. Stacked podcast. Twenty sixteen. One word. Bad. I'm gonna go with bad. Twenty seventeen. Uh, better. Um, I'm gonna go with better. Uh, twenty eighteen. Uh, move. (laughs) 
Wait, no, I moved. Fuck. Hard. Can't think. Okay, now you have to pick one of those to describe 2018. Fuck. 2018 is fuck. I'm going to go with move. And uh, 2019. Wait, I moved in 2017. That's what I did, too. I did did this wrong. God damn it. 2019, um, bad. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with bad. Yeah. Wow, it's weird how that worked. So we're bad, bad, better, better, fuck, move, bad, bad. Why, why does you repeat bad twice in the beginning and the end? Oh, because of both of us. Yeah, that, so, Bad, summary. bad, butter, butter, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> bad, bad, better, better, fuck, move, bad, bad. Yeah. Have you ever played that, uh, game where, uh... Spread butter. <laughs> Have you ever played that game where your uh, your childhood friends, you know, they give you eight different celebrities and they give you the option whether you want to bad, bad, better, better, move, fuck, or bad, bad? Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, it's pretty difficult. Yeah, but better, better, better. That's what we called it. Yeah. Uh, you would think, John, after four years of podcasting, we, we've been around this industry. We know a thing or two. Uh, that we've did, been to your conventions. We've been to podcast movement and yeah. and podcast in action. I don't know these the names of these conventions. Uh, but you would think we would know everything. But that did not stop us from last week. I diagnosed the sound issue. And instead of recording on our pretty expensive, fancy, separate microphone that we set up for the explicit purpose of capturing just the everything of our voices... We instead recorded on the laptop microphone, which is literally like a mile away <laughs> from us, and somehow it picked it us picked us up well enough so that it was okay. Mm-hmm. But it's we, we, I, I guess I'm going to say it. I apologize for last week's subpar audio con quality. I'm going to call it a schoolboy error. error. Schoolboys is that an expression? Never heard of it. Oh, I'm gonna call it a uh, once in a million yeah. folly. Hard to do, but you did it. But we did it. Yeah, almost impossible because something within the settings that I never touch would have had to change, and they did. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Sometimes when people record podcasts, they actually have like headphones where they can live monitor it but we're not going to do that well th- those people also have two he- two, two microphones. microphones so they don't have the they don't hear themselves yeah exactly yeah, uh, if i heard myself i'd kill myself i know which is a shame because you edit this podcast half the time yeah which is why i never listen to it <laughs> okay well this week we we got a stacked episode so i hope you enjoyed that little brief look into the fourth anniversary, uh, I've got no more things to say other than I'm drinking again, and I'm excited because this week we have a Live Oak Primus Weizenbach to share. We've talked about it before on the podcast, one of John's favorite seasonal beers, and let's just get right, I cut my nails, I can't get the thing, let's just get right into it. Now, Live Oak, our fans might remember, our fans might remember, from the Live Oak Hefeweizen, of which we consumed 200,000 <laughs> cans. You might remember that. This one is a little headier. Um, yes. Tastes like a loaf of bread and goes down just as smooth. I, I refer to uh, Live Oak Primus as the banana bread of beers. Yes. Because it tastes very bready and weedy, but it also tastes very uh, fruity and dry. It's you, very... You know how like a super old banana starts to taste a little boozy? <laughs> yeah. And that's when you make it into banana bread and banana bread tastes a little bit like that? Very similar kind of notes. 
I would call it a dessert beer because it is delicious. It's delicious, a little bit heavy. Oh, Live Oak Primus. If you can, do. Yeah, if you can, do. We got a lot to talk about. We've got so much. I guess we should start out with our ongoing segment that we have both come to loathe. Yes. <laughs> we are not falling in love with this at all. Yes. It, like, it, it's kind of like repeating the uh, the supplemental reading series in Fast and the Furious, only we don't like it. Yeah. And we're it, not falling in love with it. It is like a different world where uh, instead of gradually and increasingly falling in love with these movies, we just have more disdain for every iteration. That's right. We're talking about Fast and Furious Spy Races, episode three. Title of the episode, I don't really know. The, the Ghost Town Grand Prix. Ghost Town Grand Prix. So as is tradition, I'm going to put 23 minutes on the clock because uh, 20 minutes seemed to be a little rushed. So an extra three minutes might buy us some time. The timer is already running. Fuck. Okay, well... Okay, well, we've wasted ten seconds of it. See, this is why we put in the extra three minutes, so that when we mess up again, undoubtedly we'll have more time to talk about the actual episode. The name of this episode, episode three, The Ghost Town Grand Prix. Yes. Upon learning that, John, I got a little excited because I thought there might be a ghost in this one. There very nearly was. But there wasn't. So we, uh... It doesn't pay to recap the episode, but I did think that this was, uh... Somewhat interesting in that it it had a lot a lot of similarities with your your better races across the Fast and Furious franchise when they were still about racing, really <laughs> just for the first one and two. Yeah. Is you really get to know your racers, uh you have your your heavy hitters, you have your bone grinder. You bone grinder your, who does nothing during the race. Bone grinder does nothing. You have your woofer who does almost nothing during almost the race. Almost nothing. You got pizza laser. Pizza rave. Yeah, pizza laser. Let's we're gonna come back to pizza rave. Uh, have, she she had a whole arc that was not seen. <laughs> uh yes. Uh you've got the Irish guy from The, the Irish guy in buttered popcorn. Yeah. I, yeah. I so, for some reason, I didn't put it together that they were already in Shifter. Yeah. I thought they were trying to get in Shifter, like a dual tryout kind of scenario. No, they're part of Shifter already, so of course they came back. So we're not going to have three factions. Mm-hmm. It's Sadly. still... Yeah. yeah. I, I really wanted the Irishman and Butterboy to, to come back with their own like faction of Irishmen and Butterboys to like try to take down Shifter and the Spy Racers. But apparently I'm not writing this show, so yeah. that didn't happen. I doubt anyone's writing this show at this point. Uh, and then you have, you know, the rest. Uh, there was a no- Shashidar and Layla. Layla. Shashidar. Shashidar. I feel like there was another girl who could, like, turn well. Oh, yeah. She was, like, the drifter lady. Don't remember her name. It's funny because, like, in true wacky racers fashion, we learn all of these racers and they all have exactly one gimmick. Yes. And so, like, as they were introducing them, I was like, oh, we're going to see all of these racers use their gimmick during the race like an episode of Wacky Racers. What a fool I am. (laughs) Because... The, the show even states multiple times, the goal of the episode is not the race. So fundamentally, the formula of a good Fast and Furious race is broken because the point is not to win a race. Uh, the point is to follow Shashidar, who, you know me, Henry. I think that the uh, something that you can't use to criticize a work of art 
materially is to say that it's predictable yeah. because I predictability has nothing to do with how good or artistic something is. Being surprising doesn't make you or doesn't give you merit. Uh, but also, I, I believe that if you are only critical of something logistically, then also that doesn't have much merit. But God, who is writing the show? Because from what I understand, and please correct me if I'm wrong, the way that this race was, the way that them entering this race was set up was, what the fuck is his name? Something Toretto. Tony Toretto. Tony Toretto. Must enter the race. Yes. With his backup squad. With his whole crew and their souped up uh, spy RV truck that yes. they got, like, and they're like, oh yeah, uh, yeah, we stole it from some nerd. I'm like, okay. Yeah, cool. <laughs> no one else here has anything <laughs> like that, you fucking spies. So, uh, they go to the race. Tony Toro's job is to follow Shashidar, who, during a race, peels away from the race to steal a key. Yeah, just like we saw in the opening sequence of, of episode one. Yes. My question is, why not just do the clandestine thing where you go steal a key and not be part of an organized illegal street race where your absence would most likely be noticed? Maybe it's like well, a cover. I think it, I think it absolutely is a cover. Mm. And two, I think that's why the race goes through the mines. Oh, I see. Because they, they did make a point of showing like, oh, these tunnels go everywhere. Ooh. Yeah. I also think that's why the race was so ridiculous. Each lap is 25 miles. The first person to complete four, it's like 100 miles for a race with these supercars? They'd have to fill up like, you know, three or four times. Yeah. Were there pit stops? Even if you're going 100 miles per hour, it would still take a whole hour to complete the race, which you're certainly not going that fast. Also, these mines are bananas. Oh, yeah. I don't... Okay. Did did they check to see if cars could go through them first? Not just that, but apparently at the heart of this mine is a giant glowing magma (laughs) superstructure, which is surrounded by walking paths that people drive on. Also... God love this show for them saying, oh, you can't go there. It's blocked by a wall of fire. You know, classic mine occurrence. Yeah. A wall of fire. It's a it's a show for kids, so I can only criticize that stuff so much. But God, if I couldn't follow it. Yeah, it it's funny because it's like, oh, a wall of fire. Well, if only I, if I was in a vehicle moving faster than yes. like the fire could heat up. Yes, if only I was going 60 miles per hour in a giant metal tube. Yeah. Uh, what a shame, though. I am uh, uh, not. New car for Tony Toretto, though. Brand new spy car, which we didn't see them put together, so it doesn't count. Yeah. Do you think it? Uh, do you think it's a ten second car? No. Oh shit! It's too souped. It's got too many things going on. It's gonna be stripped down. Yeah, gonna be stripped down. Exactly. Now, very similar in looks to Dominic Toretto's ride. You know, tiny Toretto has a tiny Toretto car, so that makes sense. Yeah. There were a few times where, uh, you know, Sartoshi. Who? What's his name? Shashidar. Shashidar. Uh, he keeps saying Dom's name, and I'm like, come on. Yeah. Shut up. My, my <laughs> you, you question... Don't, you don't get to say that name. I did have a question about this show. What are we at time-wise? Oh, uh, we've got time. We've definitely got time. My question about this show is, is the larger, uh, is the larger point that this show is making is that even outside of the relatively small circle that is the Fast and Furious, the, the central crew of the Fast Saga, or the FQ, alternate name... <laughs> is 
are their exploits well known enough that these people are essentially celebrities, superheroes, or demigods to regular people? Because apparently everyone knows what Dominic Toretto's deal is. Yeah. Multiple people have brought this up. Yeah, the, the, the Tony, to justify him following Sashidar and Layla at, at their heist thing, and he saves Layla's, Layla's life or whatever, his justification was, come on. I'm a Toretto. I knew this wasn't just a race. I knew there was a score. I want in. And that sounds more like a Brian O'Connor thing to say. But it, of course, it makes you question then what is the legacy of Dominic Toretto? Because you would imagine as Dominic Toretto's... Uh, the movies portray him as a good guy. But he, I so mean, what he is, was a criminal to begin with. What does the world see him as? And in the third one, I think he's a criminal as well. No, third one's Tokyo, Tokyo Drift. Drift. Uh, well, I guess coterminous to the third one. He was also kind of a criminal. But... Yeah. If we look at his exploits largely throughout the films, the ones that would bring him to the attention of the world would be him as a as a hero yeah. who has saved the world multiple times from from potential extringent threats that could have significantly impacted people's ways of life. So are we saying that his reputation is still that he's a criminal? I think so. Because you, you can't outrun your past. You can't outrun your past. That's, you know, that's the whole lesson the Fast and Furious is built on. That and family. Yeah. And also, they do a lot of work with Mr. Nobody. So maybe Mr. Nobody just, like, eats up all the media. And so everyone just thinks Dom steals TVs and So DVD he's just players. a hyper-criminal? Is he, like, a supervillain then to people? <laughs> Because he's that would clearly be, in the public consciousness, is what I'm saying. That would be Fast Eleven. <laughs> Someone yeah. finally stands up and be like, I'm going to stop Dominic Toretto from being such a meanie head. How fantastic would it be if, not to get too far outside of Spy Racers, but the 11th Fast and Furious film was the crew of the Fast and Furious fighting and eventually defeating a superhero. <laughs> that would be amazing. That has been brought against them because oh. they are a force for evil. It'd be like the boys, but like in reverse? I don't know. Reverse boys. Reverse boys. Reverse, comma, boys. Back to this episode. Yes. Th there was a line that happened, and my brain kind of like hiccuped, and I was like, I need to remember this line so I could say it on the podcast. It's a real gonna get me some buttered popcorn line. Yeah, but uh, the problem is, I think my brain didn't like the line <laughs> oh, so no. much that it's deleted itself. I guess that's fair. I, it was something to the lines of... It used Froyo. Oh, absolutely. Run Froyo life. Run Froyo life. Yep. That was the moment where I wanted to walk away from my apartment because nothing will ever get the stain <laughs> of that line out of it. Uh, yes. The Once again, the whoever's writing the humor on this show is just not doing a great job. Uh, consistently, and we're only in episode three, but I have liked each sequential episode less. <laughs> Even though, in the second episode and in the third, I will say that this show does do its action sequences pretty phenomenally yeah. well. There were some genuinely exciting things about this, and I imagine... If I truly cared about the characters, they'd be even more exciting. I will say, uh, I think they learned from the f the f second episode. Yeah, the second episode. 
Because they did the slow motion thing again. Yeah. Only this time, time it was surprising because yeah. she jumps from a train and then she slips and she falls. Now, here's a problem with the logic of the show. Uh-huh. She is on a speeding train. Yes. She's wearing a parachute. Yes. The parachute even, like, kind of pulls her back. Uh-huh. All she has to do is jump. Yeah. Jump straight up. The parachute then, yeah, will absolutely. catch her and, like, deliver her to safety. She ditches the parachute. Yep. Also, when... Uh, All you have to do is jump. You're already wearing the safety thing. Isn't uh, isn't part of the reason she falls because Shashidar is holding her hand and her hand slips through the sleeve and then he's left holding her hoodie? Yeah. How did that happen while she was wearing a parachute? Did the hoodie magically slip out from under the parachute? I don't know. I shouldn't question it too much. Yeah. Uh, but stopping the train was cool because they uh, they used all the parts of the things that we knew that the Dom... Not, yeah. The, the Doretto car could do. Yeah, spikes. Spikes. And that was good. I liked yeah, it. That was okay. There were a couple pretty cool shots with the like train in the distance and the train car moving away. Yeah. I want to give this show credit where it's due because there's very few opportunities to do so. Yeah, I, I, the animators are definitely pulling their weight more so than the dialogue writers uh no question yeah the animators are, are like th- this is probably somebody like oh man i gotta do this show well i'm not gonna half-ass it i'm yeah. gonna make this show look incredible they're really they're really nailing it as far as the the action sequences are concerned uh now we one need... thing that i think about a lot and we've got enough time yeah i just, just want to put a footnote right here we want to circle back the pizza rave Just to remind us, continue with your point. Uh, One point that I do want to make is, why can't the show just be racing and cars? You know, that's a good point. Because that... It seems like that's the strong point of the show, is racing and cars. Even without gadgets. Yeah, yeah. The the gadgets, I feel like, added almost nothing to this. And actually, if you take pretty much every scene where they use gadgets, other than maybe the the front grappling hook things, which, leave those. Those are cool. Those are pretty cool. Uh, but if you took all the other kind of silly, cartoony gadgets out, everything that was kind of gripping or interesting was just racing-related. Yeah. Like when he was stopping the train, you don't need spikes. You just need to show that he's flooring it. Nice establishing shot of the back wheels spinning, kicking up dirt. Yeah, you don't need all of it. What? What? <laughs> there was a funny moment where the camera kept wanting to pan to the bridge, but like nothing bad had happened to the bridge yet. Yeah, and I even said out of frustration, it's like it's a, it's fine. Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> like she's in no danger. The train's just going to keep going until it stops, and then of course. The engine, like, for some reason gets unhitched and takes out the entire bridge. Yeah. It's like, but the camera movements were suggesting that it already happened before it happened. Yeah. When I was looking at that as they are approaching the bridge, I'm like, they're, they're framing this like they're moving towards a cliff. Yeah. And it's like, but wait, this train was moving fine without the heist. Don't tell me they, <laughs> the were, they, head, were, they I, were always heading toward a cliff. I no did reason. think it would be really funny, and I, I was hoping it was the case where they just pan up and it was a cliff. That would be very funny. We still don't know what the keys do. Unimportant. I, I, my my <clears throat> whole... Look, here's my prediction. I'll say it now. This is going to be the classic We Think Sardioshi. What's his name? Shashidar. We, we think Sashidar is the villain, but it turns out there's going to be a bigger fish to fry. Almost definitely. Yeah. Almost definitely. Now, coming back to Pizza Rave. So, I, I just want to make a footnote right here that we want to come back to Pizza Rave eventually. Okay. And that time is now. That time is now. So, Pizza Rave is introduced as having no... Uh, 
abilities that are obvious other than I think she launches a barrel into the sky and shoots it with lasers. And they say something like, that's, that's not a pizza rave I or think something? They so, I think that Frosty... The snowman. Says, classic pizza rave. As if pizza rave is a known quite, by the way. Quick check-in. What's the big green guy's name? <sighs> Look, there's Echo, who does electric work. She does the lighting on all of the cars. Run for your life. She also has some type of weird control over the lights in the car because she beats up Butterman. Don't, I don't even want to talk about that scene. <laughs> There's Frosty who has a, an army of drones yeah. and he uses them to make spooky ghost noises. Yeah. There's Tony Toretto who is the blandest character on the show. Yeah. But that's not his fault. He's the protagonist. And then of course... How could I not know his name? It's so easy. He's named after a clean pro- uh, product. A product that people use to clean or cook with or something. Is he? Yeah, he is. Mm. Yep. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. No. Oh, okay, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Oh, maybe people use it to tan, but I feel like you would burn. Are you, th- are you thinking his name is... Ajax. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, his name's Ajax, right? I- incorrect. Oh, uh, So coming back to Pizza Rave. His name's Cisco. Oh, there we go. Yeah, that's a cook- cooking thing? No, Crisco. Fuck! <laughs> the whole joke! You thought people tanned with Cisco? Uh, yeah, his name's Cisco. What is that? What is Cisco? Coming back to... What does his pe- name mean? Coming back to Pizza Ray. No, no, stop that. What, is his, we, what does his name mean? I have no idea. Why is he called Frosty? Because uh, he stays called, Frosty. Why is she called Echo? Because it's cool. See? Coming Why back, is it called Toretto? Coming back to Pizza Rave, Pizza Rave is very important. Pizza Rave is eliminated early in the race. I just want to make a footnote right here that we want to discuss <laughs> what happens to Pizza Rave, and the time to do so is coming up. Uh, Pizza Rave deploys a parachute. She de- th- Yeah, and it lights up. It's really, it lights really up. Nice. Pizza Rave's got a lot going on. And then, like, more scenes happen, more scenes happen, more scenes happen. Weird cutback back to Pizza Rave. And she says, like, is this the end of Pizza Rave? Is this the end of Pizza Rave? More action, more action. And then the very end of the episode during the post-race denouement, which we get in all Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, so the Irishman won, and then two other people whose names I don't remember won. Sure. And then I just want to make a note that you wanted to (laughs) cover what happens to Pizza Rave, and we're panning. We're panning the camera. Imagine there's a camera in this show. Uh-huh. Because it's animated. Yeah. Not really a camera. And it's panning across the scene of victory. And we pass Pizza Rave and she says... Pizza Rave is surrounded by onlookers and says, I think it would be a disservice to call them mole people when in fact they have so much more to offer. Or something like that. Which establishes point of fact. This is canon. It is canon that the Fast and Furious universe... Is the domain of mole people. Mole people. There are canonical mole people. There are canonical mole people. Pizza Rave is the first human to see them, apparently. And I just can't wait. The implications, John. They're huge. The implications for Fast F9, the Fast Saga. I, I just can't wait until we see the first of the Fast and Familiar crew... That is 100% a mole person. Uh-huh. Because every crew's got to have one. Let me let me pitch you on this. We see that scene where Han is about to be blown up. I don't know what you're talking about. Mole person 
burrows up through the ground, snatches Han out. Oh, you mean from, yeah, oh, wow. He uh, wasn't blown up, he was he just... Was, he was saved by the mole people. That explains how he survived so long without people knowing, because no one found He's out about the mole the people mole until hole. just now. He's been in the mole hole. He's been in the mole hole. Jerry? <laughs> He's been in the mole hole, Jerry. Uh, so, mole people, number one exists. <laughs> number And, you know... If the rest of the series does not tackle that biological and cryptoidic fact, I think the series as a whole is a failure. Now we have to uh, we have to figure out when this takes place because the only thing that we know exists is Dominic Toretto, and yeah, as long as Dominic Toretto's flame is not extinguished, we do not know at what point. Well, okay, so the, their phones are not flip phones, so it's clearly not the future. It's clearly not the future. <laughs> no, what's funny is uh. The- there was a moment when all the drones were going away to like mar- uh, map out the the race course, uh, and I thought, oh, instead of using the futuristic flip bones to follow the action, we're going to use these very archaic, these archaic flying drones. Flying drones. Yeah, I want to say this happens uh, maybe right before Tokyo Drift. <laughs> so immediately before Tokyo Drift. Okay, so we we knew about more yeah. people. Prior to the Han incident. Well, we didn't, but... So, like... So, Pizza Rave knew. From a metagaming perspective, our characters might have known, but us as players did not. That's what I call dramatic irony. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, we know that mole people exist, then the rest of the episode happens. I don't know, I'm getting kind of... It feels like this show is going to follow a formula of... The episode starts and we are on our way to the thing. Yeah. We do the thing. The thing does not go as planned, but then it turns out okay. The end of the episode, we end up back at the warehouse with Mrs. Nowhere yelling for some reason. And then a one last reveal. But hey, we're spy racers, so we did the spy thing. And then that just goes into the next episode five more times. I could see that happening. Oh, it was such a dog shit way that this episode ended by ending with, uh, oh, we put a tracking device. And then they show the tracking device and then Frosty appears in frame and, and sings that really awful Spy Racers song. Yeah. I didn't like it. I asked Henry before we started recording if we could stop watching this show. Yeah. And we won't. No, we can't. We're honor bound. Because if the fact that we spent two and a half months watching every Fast and Furious movie is any indication, uh, we don't stop. We can't stop. I will say that we kept watching the Fast and Furious movies out of a labor of love because we fell in love with the series. Whereas this is a labor of loathe in which we can't stop, but we also don't like it. We sat through some some real stinkers. I will say, this episode... I mean, the second episode was, I think, a little bit better than this episode. Because there was some character development. This episode had no character development. Just like, remember all the things we should have done before now? Like, establish that Echo can fight and Frosty and Cisco are are like a, a cool team. We're just going to do some catch-up while Tony does the cool thing. Yeah. We're going to do some catch-up. It's like the pacing for the show is just completely off. And you know, the simplest thing that I want from a kid's show is to know who's who's what archetype. I don't know who's the hacker or the muscle. <laughs> I don't know. Well, the thing about Cisco is like he's the muscle, but he's he hasn't muscled anything. He lifted a car once. 
Which, to be fair, shouldn't lifting, that car be light? <laughs> lifting the entire back of a car, we know that only Dominic Toretto has oh. completed that feat thus far. Oh, wow, well. So perhaps Cisco's secret feat is almost being as strong as Dominic Toretto, and we will see that play out. <laughs> and on that note, that is the end of our allotted time to talk about Spy Racers. Tune in next week for another segment where we cover the fourth episode. I look forward to uh, watching this episode in my car as I hastily eat another two Impossible Whoppers. We have to have a conversation about your Impossible Whoppers, but we don't have time here on the podcast. <laughs> we have a stacked episode. Stacked. There's no time to talk about my health. We, we got no time. Instead, we got to launch into John... This past weekend marked the 54th edition. I'm just saying it's some bread, some tomatoes, some lettuce, an impossible patty, and some ketchup. What's unhealthy about that? Of America's time-honored tradition. Um, <clears throat> some call it by its legal given name, but we cannot in fear that the NFL will track us down and force us to watch more Spy Racers. Roger Goodell. So we will just call it the big game. The, the big game. The big game. Big game. The big game happened this past weekend, and uh, I invited John into my home as I do multiple times a year. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see. <laughs> at so least fifty-two it. times. Yeah, at least fifty-two times, give or take. To to watch it, we had plenty of food, and we we buckled up, we strapped in, we strapped on. And we watched the commercials. We watched the commercials. Quick recap of the game for anyone who cares. Uh, San Francisco 49ers, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, you had a team I didn't care about and a team that was bad. The team I didn't care about, they had them for a while. And then the team that was bad won. Congratulations, Kansas City Chiefs. It only took you 50 years to win another. <laughs> the bigger game. And uh, I want to shout out the uh, the head coach of the 49ers. Who now has lost two. So big a game after having extensive leads. Nice. Yeah, he, he was the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, that, was a, and that was a bad one. And now he was the coach of the 49ers. And he lost. I did not like the Falcons one. So maybe stop getting to the big a game, dude. Yeah, maybe stop. Uh, good for the Chiefs. So we want to... The commercials for the, the big a game. I always like to liken to like a litmus test of where companies think... The, the national mindset is at. Yes. Because they, this is like... Art is downstream of culture, not the other way around, as we've established on this podcast. And this is this is the one time a year that, like, they the companies know we're going to have a majority share of people's attention, people's eyes. we got to make this good. we got to speak to the people so that they, they talk to our products and buy our products. So... They're going to put their best efforts out, and I just want to say again, a recurring thing, year after year, they were just okay. Uh, they were just okay, and I feel like this year really knocked out of the park in terms of being fully dystopian at times. Yeah, I, I feel like, I guess there's some like marketing data out there that suggests you put as many celebrities in your commercial as possible... Have them maybe say the name of the product, maybe not. Yeah. Try an attempt at humor or sincerity, but not not both. And then perhaps that's okay. And it seems like some companies lean into it really hard 
and kind of nail it. And some companies only pull off a weird facsimile of it. Yeah. Like uh, like the the uh, Little Caesars commercial with Rain Wilson. Oh, yeah. Was like, it's got all of the elements here, but it just misses completely. It's got all the elements, but it still sucks. Yeah, so you've got your celebrity, you got Rain Wilson, you've got like a funny sort of scenario. People say Little Caesars is better than sliced bread and the sliced bread company goes under. Yeah. But like, that's not funny enough to carry the joke. And it's not, it's like, you even ended on this like one more punch of Rain Wilson becoming a Little Caesars delivery driver, which is like, I don't know. But then you've got... Number one, does Little Caesars deliver? Uh, Well, they did in that commercial. They did in that commercial. To the best of my knowledge, they don't, which is crazy. Uh, But also, it's it's nice to end a commercial uh, being like, yes, it is funny to be a delivery driver. What what an awful role that is. Well, so yeah, that is kind of dystopian. Where it's like this head of this company. Yeah, but like the funniest thing that could happen is if he's if he's brought down to the working class. And then as an example of a commercial that actually worked pretty well. At least in my opinion, was a uh, the Bud Light Post Malone commercial. Yes, where Post Malone enters like a gas station, acts like where's the Bud Light, and then uh, he, he, there's Bud Light, and then there's this new Bud Light seltzer or whatever, yeah. and then we go inside Mr. Malone to like in a weird like inside out, very much inside out, with a bunch of tattooed technicians at the helm of, of Post Malone, and they fight over which one to get. Yeah. And the what what really sells it is not that bit. It's like they they're messing with the controls inside Mister Malone, and Post Malone like throws himself against racks of snacks. Yes, in a way that you it, it is believable that he's being controlled, and it's that commitment to the physic the physicality of the comedy bit that makes the entire commercial. It's a it's a very fun commercial because it's. Its core comedic conceit is dead simple and not actually that funny, uh, but its execution is really good. And also in a big game that was full of weirdly deep faked celebrities doing things physically, which, by the way, we can't even get into how many Uh, steps back society took in advancing that trend uh, during the Super Bowl. But I do feel like Post Malone did throw himself into that rack of snacks. So good on him. It looked real. It looked funny. I liked it. And uh, to speak to your dystopian thing, uh, one of the technicians says, wait, we're super rich. Why don't we get both? And Which is, like, kind of funny, but you're talking about Bud Light, which yeah. is, like, what, less than $10 a case? Pretty cheap. So you don't have to be super rich to even afford yeah. multiples of it. But still funny. Still funny. They undercut it with Post Malone walking through bags of snacks. He looks up at the cashier and goes... You got any pretzels? <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, now, we have another category of commercial that yeah. I would like to touch on. So that's the humor category. We have the humor category. We have the, uh, well, we'll take this one at a time. We, we have the, the humor category, which is, which is middling. The humor category, which is okay. Yeah. Uh, the, then we just have the sad category. The, the what, commercials the that make us sad? sad category. Uh, number one, uh, Google for 
dementia. Yeah. Horrifyingly sad. Really dystopian. Okay. Digitize your entire life in case you get dementia. Digitize your entire life in case you get dementia. It is just the voice of a demented old man who does not have his memories. Basically begging this computer to show him pictures (laughs) of his life and having it remember things and remind him which on its face is somewhat sweet but if you actually look at it as a piece of art and what it's saying is really horrifying because you're like oh this person doesn't have anyone there for them their life is being served up through this weird digital assistant who is the only person they can talk to really just heartbreaking stuff that no one thought about for more than a second and then like Underneath that is the weird reality of, well, Google can access any device you give information to. So uploading all that stuff, you are just willingly handing over moments of your life for free yes. for Google to do targeted ads at. But yes. It's like, oh, this man doesn't remember his wife. Uh, I wonder if he would want to buy... <laughs> I wonder if he wants to buy the shirt that says Loretta on it. <laughs> I wonder if he would want to buy some pants. I don't know how you sell to that kind of thing, but... I, I do feel like we are moving towards, with advertisements like this, marketing of, like, a happiness spike. Yeah. Like Google selling a spike that you stab into your temple, and it gives you a frontal lobotomy, but you're happy forever, and you get to relive all your life's happy moments over and over again. And meanwhile, they get to suck out your blood to yeah so that they can target blood sales to you yeah it's the matrix now i'm going to use a hammer to open a bottle of beer this well is the done. coolest thing i own let me see pretty nice my brother-in-law for christmas got me a replica of thor's hammer as a bottle opener and it's it's very nice i like it um it even has the inscription on it that uh anthony hopkins whispers into it on set so that's pretty cool. It's very nice. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Oh, no. So then you got your sad agories, your sad commercials that make you sad. And then you've got your weird gaslighting, pandering commercials that Verizon really wants you to, to forget the fact that they throttled fighter fire, firefighters in California a couple of years ago. Yes. As they were actively battling wildfires out in California. 5G helps firefighters. They can see through a fire through a technology that has nothing to do with 5G. You can tell that Verizon is still feeling the sting of that the thing they did because we are years out like a by like three, two to three years out from them actually having throttled firefighters. Yes. And they're still during the Super Bowl going, no, 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 we're helping firefighters. Look, they yeah. can see through smoke <laughs> with 5G. No, 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 we're Verizon. We don't kill them no more. Listen, it's Listen. 2020, we're Verizon. We don't kill yeah. no more. Yeah. Please forget. <laughs> please, please, please forget. forget. We don't we're, kill. We don't kill them no we more. We paid millions of dollars for the message that you need to forget that we throttled the data of firefighters, so they could not get updated information and potentially burn to death. Uh, and also, speaking of rid- the pandering commercials, by the way, were a plenty this oh, year. Oh my god! Uh, look at the NFL. The oh, NFL, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, put out. Uh, put out an ad that was essentially anti-police brutality or at least the message that the nfl like stands with people who struggle with things uh but it was in it was over the 
It was over the story of someone whose brother was killed by a plainclothes police officer. Uh, so there's a soft, implicit message that the NFL stands against police brutality, which is interesting. Yeah. If only there was some prominent player in the mm. NFL who notably, yeah. visually, mm. and peacefully stood mm. out against police brutality. I'm sure if that had happened, the NFL would totally be on their side and not sell them out, and then also force players to not kneel for the national anthem. You know, I'm racking my brain, and I want to say uh, Brett Favre? Might have been Brett Favre. It might have been so ludicrous that the yeah. NFL is out there being like, uh, police brutality's bad. Uh, and also, we blackballed Colin Kaepernick, and we said that if people uh, don't want to stand for the national anthem, they can stay the fuck in the locker room. Yep. Ridiculous. Yeah. The, the NFL is almost as bad as the WWE for being like fascist bootlickers, but you can't do that. No. Are our memories that short? Yes. Unfortunately, I suppose. Now, yeah, now there's one this, other thing. We're, I'm going to circle back to your yeah. dystopian thing, but before we do that, uh, so there's this is an election year. Yes, and so you, uh, you, you might you might uh you might see I don't know like a campaign commercial on TV sometimes. <sighs> Never in one goddamn thousand years did I think I would see. A Donald Trump ad during the big a game advocating that he stands for black women prisoners and sets he, them free. He seems the ad. It's real 1984 hours. It's real brave new world shit because the the world the ad seems to imply that Donald Trump has in any meaningful material way. Uh, led progress in criminal justice reform. Absolutely anyone with half a brain knows that that is not true and is actually the complete opposite of the truth. Uh, but for one person who was able to, to leave prison because of him is the sole focus of this ad. And the message is all over the place. They're saying people are getting second chances because of Donald President James Trump or whatever. Yeah. Uh, when in fact the real ad would be like, uh, you know, hundreds of children in cages. I know. Oh, yeah. Hundreds of uh, of children put in illegal prisons. I don't know. I don't know. Never, never have I ever seen a political ad during the Super Bigga game broadcast to the nation because, one, candidates should not have that much money. Yes. It costs millions and millions of dollars to be able to buy the ad space during a bigger game, and usually you spend that money like doing as efficient a job as you can. Mm-hmm. Just leave politics. I thought we we're supposed to leave politics out of football. Yeah. Wasn't that the whole thing? Shut with up politics? and dribble. Shut yeah. up and dribble. So shut up and leave the nation, you idiot. Yeah. Don't put ads during my soup. The bigger game. Shut up and dribble. Uh, but also, you know, we're slowly moving into a place where it's more and more possible for oligarchs to use money. And Michael Bloomberg spent $250 million on his political campaign. That's just what he earns in interest on his money during that period of time. Uh, well, yeah, his Hulu ads are yeah. getting really obnoxious. Really obnoxious. I just want to vote for who I see on the TV. Uh, yeah, now, Tom Brady. We do have a final category. Well, what we, oh. we've got more to talk about oh. with your dystopian thing, but yes, I just talked, so I'm going to let you talk because that's how co-hosting works. I just want to go with my final initial category, and if you find additional categories, let me know. 
Uh, my final category, and these are the rarest gems. Uh, these are your advertisements that exist in deference to, in grand defiance of common sense. Oh, yeah. These are your real freaks. Yeah. These, these are your ads that you look at their existence and you wonder why... So off the top of my dome, uh, planters. That is the one I would like to talk about. Because we had discussed on this podcast they killed Mr. Peanut in uh, maybe... Listen, it was the same day that John... Not John. The other one. Wow, that's a shame. Can't remember. Who were you thinking of? Monty Python. Oh, he died. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which one? Michael Palin? I think so. I don't I don't know. It wasn't John Cleese. No, he's alive. Uh, but they announced that Mr. Peanut was dead. And I'm not someone who's going to throw shade on cheap heat. I think uh, if you can get cheap heat, get it where you can, just sparingly. You can get a lot of cheap heat out of making a tweet that says Mr. Peanut died yeah. uh, saving his friends. Because killing Mr. Peanut, eventually we would learn that this went bad. But the killing of Mr. Peanut by the, the coward... Uh, Robert Ford was a tremendous marketing move. Killing Mr. Peanut is great because it got so much heat. Oh yeah, people people were uh, tweeting up a storm about the death of Mr. Peanut. The, because it was funny. It was funny and ridiculous. The idea that brands now have reached a level of saturation uh, that you can now say that Mr. Peanut is dead and people can freak out about it. The ad that resulted from Mr. Peanut's death, we all knew this was leading up to a Super Bowl... The Bigga Game... The Bigga Game... Campaign. Big Game... Oh, God. Oh, this is going to be a hard one to edit. I'm sure we've said it a few times at this point already. Yeah, I know. The Bigga Game... The Bigga Game... The Bigga Game... Oh, I hate these ones. I I always edit the the Big Game ones. What if you did for the first time ever? You just left it alone. I'm not going to do that. Oh, okay. Uh, so we all knew this was coming up to a big game campaign. Big game campaign. And? And the ad was Mr. Peanut. His funeral. His funeral officiated by Wesley Snipes. Uh, Mr. Clean and the Kool-Aid Man was there. Because I think that the thing we take away from all of this is just that Procter & Gamble owns all brands. Yeah, apparently. Uh, but the grave sprouts roots, and then there is a disgustingly poorly CGI'd baby peanut. Voiced by the same actor as the fully grown adult peanut. Yes. Who says in his weird voice... Yep, I'm back. Well, before that, he says an entirely too long dolphin sound. Oh, yeah. And then says, haha, just kidding, I'm back. And then... The, the greatest the, the great, hashtag the greatest, ha- the greatest gift bestowed oh. upon us by the demonic creature that is modern-day brand strategy. Hashtag baby nut. Hashtag baby nut. Hashtag baby nut. Here's the thing. You can say it in any way and it's always bad. Hashtag baby nut. Hashtag baby nut. Hashtag baby nut. You can emphasize it in any way and it always sounds wrong. And this is obviously... Was this like a Baby Yoda thing? This is obviously born out of a Baby Yoda thing. But baby nut... And they were like, well, how... Baby things are... are, are, Like, Baby Yoda's cute. How do we do that for us? 
It's like, oh, we have to kill off. We have to kill off Mr. Peanut. It's the only way. So he can come back as a baby. Because when you bury a peanut, you get a peanut tree. You're not wrong. Here's my problem. Is it the baby nut? It's hashtag baby nut. Is it it the word? Listen, we're going to go wild on baby nut. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag baby nut. We can't go wild on baby nut. We (laughs) We, can't. We have to. Now listen. The problem that I have, if hashtag baby nut. Baby nut. Is in response to baby Yoda. Baby nutta. You know that I like the Mandalorian. Oh, yeah, it's getting a second season in October of this year. Cancel season two. Oh, shit. I think that Baby Yoda has done at this point... If, Too much damage. If, if, the, if the eventual illogical conclusion or continuation of Baby Yoda is hashtag Baby Nut, yeah. Baby Yoda as an entity has done far more harm to society Been than good. the Mandalorian has done good by existing. Wow. I love the Mandalorian, and I think it's the best Star Wars thing I've seen in a really long time. But fucking, if the first episode of Star of the Mandalorian Season 2 does not start with them fucking hurling Baby Yoda into the sun, I will not be satisfied. And I get it. I like it. It's a lone wolf and cub dynamic. That show probably can't exist without the presence of Baby Yoda. But I'm so fucking sick of it. So, we already have an episode entitled, John Hates Baby Yoda. <laughs> So we already kind of know your opinions about this whole thing. No one actually cares about it. Alan Watts, in his book, The Wisdom of Insecurity, he was talking about how people in a world where they can't actually find meaning in anything because we all have the implicit knowledge that everything is meaningless, we choose to imbue meaning on things we know are meaningless, like tarot cards or astrology, like... We or pra- baby nut. We practice things in our lives in a hollow way to give them meaning. And we did that with Baby Yoda. No one thinks Baby Yoda is actually as cute as he is. And he's cute and he's cool or whatever. But at this point, people are now imbuing an impossible level of adoration onto this thing. Both ironic and unironic. Get rid of it as an icon. Throw it into the sun. I don't care. Cancel the Mandalorian. Fuck Baby Yoda. Hashtag Baby Nut. Hashtag Baby Nut. Here's the thing. Uh, So this isn't even the first people to do this. Because not long after Baby Yoda made his debut, the Sonic movie, I don't know if you remember, did a hashtag Baby Sonic. Why? And debuted Baby Sonic. Why? And then some artists just recently did a Baby Jabba, the hut, Baby Jabba. And uh, I don't know why, but that keeps popping up on my Twitter feed. And now we're here at Baby Nut. <sighs> Hashtag Baby Nut. Henry. Hashtag Baby Nut. Hashtag Baby Nut. And I feel like these, at least the offspring of Baby Yoda, maybe comprise three of the horsemen of the apocalypse. Or should I say baby horsemen of the baby apocalypse? <laughs> yes. It's it's honestly the, the baby suffix attached to branding now is a harbinger of a doom darker than one I had ever imagined. I will know we are in trouble when come in a couple of months when we get closer to the election. Hashtag baby Donald Trump starts 
trending. It's it's happening. Then you I will know. This, you say this to me and I hear it as though it's already happened, <laughs> for I at least have the ability to know that this is where it's going. When that happens, I will know that the world has ended, that we, that, that what is it, that life is hell and we are the demons. <laughs> yes. I will know that Dante's Inferno exists and we are in the comedic sphere that is the most painful but until then i will watch the mandalorian second seasons apparently coming out in october of this year which is entirely too fucking That's soon. way too soon way too soon so it's going to be trash garbage i'm just saying that western society has failed the test and the last question was baby yoda and we fucking whiffed it yeah there's a theory out there called uh, the great filter and it, it it tries to explain uh, why there are no spacefaring alien races that have visited Earth. And it posits that in every civilization's life cycle, there's there a system of challenges that one we must get through in order to, to continue existing. And the Great Filter is the unknown one that we don't know about. Either that we have not reached it yet, and that means we are the first civilization to get this far, or we are hurtling straight toward it. And no other civilization has solved it. And that great filter, I'm afraid, is hashtag baby nut. Because there's no way we're getting past this. And that, yes, that is a filter joke. I really don't... I don't know how we... I know we said we're circling back to the dystopia. We're pretty dystopia, but we're doing that right now. Well, no, I do have one more thing to circle back to the dystopia. Yes. I want to make a a note right here that we want to talk about... Pizza rave and what happened to her. But before we get to that, are we moving off from Baby Nut? We are moving away from Baby Nut to the general dystopia that okay. is the 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 so, big game ad campaigns. Big game ad campaigns. This this falls into just the the same category beyond any common sense. Michelob the beer company aired a commercial stating that they want to give money to the farmers that farm their wheat and barley. So if you buy a six-pack, they'll work... They'll, if you if we buy enough six-packs, we'll give money to farmers. Yeah. Somebody broke it down. And here is the math behind that campaign. Mick Globe spent $10 million on a Super Bowl a big game ad... To tell us they'll donate $1 million to farmers if we spend $450 million buying their beer. Mmm. Incredible. That is insane. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's totally aligned with <clears throat> all of these, like, uh, socially minded... All of these socially minded... Uh, campaigns that large brands have is they they have a small call to action for a small thing you can do but the actual incalculability of how much money and effort you'd have to put into their brand to have any good in the world is completely lost the thing about Michelob's campaign is like they have enough money to give farmers one million dollars right now and it would barely affect their bottom line but if we could rally behind this action, like, of, oh, if you buy a six-pack, we'll give $6 to a farmer or whatever. 
they end up making a ton of money. The farmers get a little, and we just get the weird satisfaction of helping out some idiot who hasn't realized that farming is dead and we're going to die. Isn't a tremendous amount of American beer production made with corn syrup and corn byproducts? Because of the corn subsidies, Don't we already create a ton of subsidies for corn farmers and corn is a vampiric crop that makes it so we cannot plant additional crops and also the crop cycling in the united states of america has uh made soil in vast swaths of the united states completely uninhabitable for uh, grazing livestock or growing anything look i'm not saying we're heading into another dust bowl period because of rampant corn farming due to corn subsidies and that's the reason why high fructose corn syrup and corn syrup in general is so big i'm not saying that because it's too late to say that uh, so here's a fun figure. Do you know what regenerative farming is? That's uh, the process of uh, farming in sort of like a weird pattern of crop rotation so that you don't drain all of the nutrients in the soil. You at least have one patch of fertile soil at a time. Am I close? Uh, close. Regenerative farming is actually taking land that has been robbed of its nutrients and then growing uh, food and livestock on the land to replenish the nutrients. Yeah. Because for your nutrients to be replenished, you need waste and activity. Yeah. Uh, so chickens, amazingly, are some of the, the best rejuvenators of soil because they eat grass, they poop, they walk around, they pick, they aerate the soil by picking out bugs. Turns out the planet was a pretty sweet e- ecosystem before us. Because animals, largely for the most part outside of humans, just kind of exist in a way that keep the status quo going. Yeah. Uh, And cows are also great horses, too. Uh, So, for one acre of regenerative farming, regenerative farming is essentially letting animals uh, graze and roam freely uh, across a, a large swath of land... Letting them uh, eat and you till and you grow uh, crops and you compost. It's a ton of work. And do you know how long it takes to turn one acre of uh, totally decimated land from the American crop rotation cycle into a regenerated, a regenerated acre? A month. 125 years. Oh, fuck. That's We're forever. Fucked. We're That's forever, John. Yes. No, it's okay. We'll just import some uh, fertile soil from somewhere. Oh, fuck. Yes. Oh, fuck. Yes. It's very bad. Eventually, we won't be able to grow our own food anyway. (laughs) That's okay. There's tons of bugs. Yeah, there's tons of bugs. Uh, It's going to be real bad, is what I'm saying. Look. It's going to be real bad. All we have to do is change our ways 125 years ago. Yes. So when we invent the time machine and then after we... Make sure this shit doesn't happen. All we make sure baby nut never happens. Makes look. I'm just saying, if you could go back in time and assassinate baby nut, would you? I mean, I think there's a reason why the Titanic sank. Baby nut. All the people trying to stop baby (laughs) nut from happening. A lot of people came back to the Titanic specifically to kill baby nut. It turns out the 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 man or woman who came up with baby nut, their ancestors were on the Titanic, fucking in a car, and they lived. Oh no! The daughter of Jack and Rose is the person who came up with baby nut. It all makes sense. James Cameron's filming it right now. He he is. He's uh, filming the new Baby Nut campaign. Uh, I know that we've come up with a lot of categories. One thing I didn't want to touch on, and this was touched on briefly in hashtag Baby Nut, hashtag Baby Nut, uh, is... I feel like it's worse if you say it enthusiastically. Hashtag Baby Nut? 
Yeah, no, no. I'm, there's nothing good about it. There's nothing good about it. Uh, this was touched on briefly with Mr. Clean crying on the shoulder of the Kool-Aid man. Uh, uh, this came up in quite a few ads as we are now reaching a, a saturation where brands are now communicating. With Sofia Gar- Vergara. Vergara, Vergara, Vergara. Rob, Vergara. I didn't pronounce it differently any of those times, even though I meant to pronounce it differently. Rob Riggle was there. Rob Riggle was there. He was the bounty thought. And if you look at that commercial, it is just a, a cavalcade of brand imagery, even so far as having a Charmin bear in the bathroom saying, my booty's clean, Charmin clean, because I guarantee you when they showed the script, whatever writer who was going to go commit suicide moments after submitting that script showed it to people. They said, well, it's not clear it's the Charmin bear. Can you make it say Charmin? But it's going to look exactly like the bear from the commercial. It, it looks like the bear from the commercials that have existed for now, 20 years. That's, yeah, that's the writer yeah. saying, well, it looks exactly like the bear from the yeah. commercial. And then the executive goes, I don't know. I think it would be better if he would say, I'm Charmin clean. Yeah. My booty, my booty <laughs> is Charmin clean. Can he say that three times exactly the same way? To, to which the writer goes, thanks for the note. Yeah. I'll implement the changes. Yes. Now. Because they have no choice. Uh, one thing that I can say about the downfall of society as predicted by the big game 54 uh, is, I don't know if you guys have heard about this, and uh, this was actually brought up to my attention through Facebook, so you might have seen this. Am I? Uh, so, I don't know if you've heard, he's a little writer uh, who was predicting kind of a, an end state of capitalism and the, the darkest edges you could get into with the products of labor. Nostradamus? Uh, he's a, I don't know if you've heard of him, only real heads know he's pretty niche. His name's Karl Marx. Oh, Carlos Marcos. Carlos Marcos. Uh, so Karl Marx said of the products of labor being used, uh, I believe this was in Capital, uh, he was writing about eventually the products of labor being used in a world where the products of labor are treated as religion. Yeah. And what he was talking about there is brands. Yes. Which is not that surprising because when he was writing this, branding and brands uh, were not so much of an ever-present force, but he still hit the nail on the head. Uh, and, and Marx said of this, in that world, referring to the world where uh, the products of labor are treated as religion, brands, hashtag baby nut, the productions of the human brain appear as independent beings endowed with life, the bounty thought, baby not Charmin clean, and entering into relation both with one another and the human race. Uh, so Karl Marx writing quite some time ago about the most nightmarish end result of capitalism is to say that these products of the human imagination can almost in a way create their own society and, and culture and language interacting with one another to deliver a message to the human race where our lives are now controlled by brand shibboleths and that is what we have when mr Cl- when disgusting cgi mr clean is mopping the floor of sofia vergara's house while rob riggle Dressed as the bounty guy is ejecting paper towels from his crotch. Well, my booty, my booty is Charmin clean. My booty, my booty is Charmin clean. Sonic the Hedgehog baby nut. This is what he was talking about. It's never been darker. Yeah. 
I, I think it was, might have been uh, T.S. Eliot that wrote, This is how the world ends. <laughs> this is how the world ends. Not with a bang, but with an advertisement containing all of the brands that you know and love. <laughs> Baby nut. <laughs> Baby nut. My booty is clean. My booty is Sherman clean. <laughs> oh uh, I would very much like to incorporate into a Frank Herbert-esque litany against fear. <laughs> I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. My booty is clean. My booty. Charmin clean. I will allow it to pass over me and through me and its path. Nothing will remain. Hashtag baby nut. Hashtag baby nut. So I guess the uh, the cultural vibe, the, the finger on the pulse of the zeitgeist is one of abject terror. Because <laughs> yes. the brands are here and they're here to because there's, there's no deriding them. There's no derailing them. Baby not did not blow. It was... Okay, people made jokes of it. But it didn't end in any backlash for the company despite the subjective nature of the words. Yes. It, 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 if anything, it's just standing like all publicity is good publicity. There's so much happening in the wake of the big game of the, the greatness of the Shakira and J-Lo halftime show that no one's even going to know notice Baby Nut for more than five seconds. At this point, we're we're living in a world of such complete saturation for this stuff that your attention is... It's impossible to focus on any one thing. It's a, it's a massive ideological rope-a-dope. And, you know, what do we do in the face of this? Well, we observe it, we report on it, and we analyze it, and that's what we just did. I guess be, yeah, like use this knowledge in your everyday life to maybe not buy Michelob Ultra or whatever uh, because their their campaign is, is shitty. You know, keep in mind that Verizon is still gaslighting us on them throttling firefighters. We data. don't kill them no more. We don't kill them no more. Just keep the stuff in the forefront of your mind sometimes when you're making decisions about switching uh, mobile carriers, or if you want to buy a, like a beer in a gas station or something, I don't know. Don't reward people for shitty decisions. And then there's Baby Nut, which you have just a complete objection to, but on moral grounds, I have none because it's just another another campaign that'll blow over. I'm just saying that, as in all things in life, The Simpsons called it. Because if you remember, I believe it is the Treehouse of Horror episode from season six. There is a short in the Treehouse of Horror. If you're not familiar, there's a series of horror-themed shorts uh, in which the uh, the Lard Lad and a bunch of other mascots from around Springfield are given life in a lightning storm, and they terrorize the town as uh, as massive monolithic uh, advertising giants. Yeah. In the end, they have uh, subjugated and destroyed and killed a lot of Springfield. But the thing that we learn from an advertising executive is the only way to defeat them is just don't look. Look away from them and they will die. No hashtag baby nut. <laughs> we'll try. I mean, do not hashtag baby nut. In all things, whenever there's like, oh, a boycott, it's like, well, I always actually do the boycott. But it seems like 99% of the other people who say they're going to do the boycott don't do it. Yeah. Chick-fil-A. Oh, I'm, I'm iffy on that one. God damn it, Henry. It's the easiest one not to do. I Their never, chicken sandwiches aren't even that good. I never pre-order. Fine. 
Fine, you don't get your your steel bookcase for your homophobia sandwich. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. Well, I, I feel like we're in sort of a dark place with these big game ads, but it, it might be time to come into the light, because circling back, I believe we wanted to talk about the fate of one uh, pizza raver. Yeah, pizza rave. Okay, and we'll, we'll get to that eventually. But uh, before that, other Fast and Furious news. During the big game... Big drops! Uh, big drops, tons of movies. Uh, Tom Cruise getting work, who cares? Tom Cruise and Top Gun. Maverick. Yeah. And uh, other things, James Bond still getting... Anna de Armas wasn't in the commercial, but I know she's in the film. Uh-huh, No Time to Die Another Day. No Time to Die Another Day, You Only Live Twice. And, uh, and... Mixed in with all these other drops was one trailer drop for a movie confusingly named either FF9 or F F turns into a 9, The Fast Saga. (laughs) Or Furious 9, The Fast Saga, as it has been written by the production company. And uh, while it was happening, my brain sort of did this thing where... I know I saw the ad, but I don't think any of the images actually registered with me. Yes. So I think what we should do right now, real quick, is pull up the the trailer for Fast 9, The Fast Saga, Furious 9, The Fast Saga, and we should watch it live on air. Watch it live on air. This time the the audio will actually be picked up by the microphone, unlike last week in which we watched an ad and it was just silent. Mm Mm-hmm. And I left it in because what, what else? What else <laughs> am I gonna do? What else are you gonna do? Uh, but no, let's now. Yeah, let's pull this up. I guess you want me? Yeah, no, your phone's bigger. My phone and better is in fact bigger. And You're better. on that team Pixel. Uh, yeah, and uh, contrary to all of the callouts, I am on Verizon. Let's just gloss over that. Hold on, fact. are you a firefighter? Fuck no. You're not. you're gonna die. <gasps> They're gonna throttle you to death. I just want the trailer. Please don't give me articles about the trailer. Cinema Sins. <laughs> Cinema Sins. Why do you keep saying Cinema Sins? Cin- I don't really know why, what Cinema Sins is. Why is it that in this day of 2020, I have to click on an article about the trailer to see the trailer? Load that bad boy up. This trailer is three minutes and 50 seconds long. It costs four million dollars, baby. They didn't play this. They didn't play this trailer. The it's full, a long one. It's a long one. They didn't play this full trailer during the episode. Okay, here we go. Now I gotta put up my sound first. Okay. Alright, this sound is all the way up. The screen is here. I'm gonna hit play and you're gonna tell me this isn't the trailer. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. I used to live my life a quarter mile at a time. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. yeah. That's really the sad. Music. The music. I will always be in your heart. Little Brian, I have a gift for you. This is the teaser. Your daddy gave me this. Wait. No, I'm gonna give it to Music's you. Music's different. It's very special. It's for protection from what's coming. Okay, okay. The crew's back. We're on an island. No matter how fast you are. I am not too big compared to you. No one outruns their past. Oh shit. I am more easy, you try and your best to book. Okay, saving Letty. And mine. That was 
John Cena? John Cena. It's a long time, Tom. So we're up against a master thief. He's what? Master driver. Okay, that was London. Who is he? This movie is. is Dom's brother. What? You can pause it if you need to. Push yourself to be faster than Dom. What? John Cena. John Cena is Dominic Toretto. Dominic Toretto's brother. Yep. Never mentioned up until now. What the fuck? Yep. And then when he said I could pause it, that's Cipher. Yep. Talking to to Dom Toretto's brother. Shirley Cipher's back. Charlize Theron's back. John Cena, Dominic Toretto's brother. You haven't seen half of what this trailer has to show you. What the fuck is happening? That's the that's the oh big one. Oh my god! Hold on. Smarter than Dom. Stronger than Dom. But could you kill him? Because I'm ready if you are. What the fuck? There's nothing more powerful than the love of family. But you turn that into anger. That was nothing more dangerous. That's even married. Yep. yep. Maybe this is the end, but we're gonna go out together. You know I'd ride to the death with you. This movie's gonna be insane. Tell me that's not a Pontiac Fiera strapped to a rocket engine. Impressive, I know. No, no, that's that's not impressive. <laughs> this is too many things. Not all blood. His family. That explains the the tagline. That's too nice. This trailer is entirely too long. There's no bridge. What the fuck? This movie is gonna be too good, John. This movie is too good. Just wait, just wait. Hey guys. Surprise. How? 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 Justice is coming! <laughs> Alright, so all of the hows were uh, apparently... Han is back. Han is back. How? Nice cl- Remember, here's the thing. Fast Five. When Han comes into the warehouse, he says, Nice clubhouse and eats a snack. Mm-hmm. Same shit. Same shit. Wow. Perfect movie. Alright. Fast 9 is looking to be one of the best Fast and Furious movies 
I've ever seen. Just from the trailer, which showed entirely too much. It's a good trailer. Here's the thing. That's, a, it that's showed too a lot. long. It showed a lot, but I still really don't know what's happening. I'm very excited. Yeah. It No release date. It just says get tickets now. This summer. I know, but that's no. not a release date. No idea. Date. I, okay, so regardless, this looks like the perfect movie to set up Fast 10 Highway to Hell. It does. The stakes have never been higher. Yes. Dom's small brother, John <laughs> Cena. Yes. In the same sense. Unfortunately small now, John Cena. Now he he's normal now. John normal normal size John Cena. Or I guess Hollywood strong. Yeah. John Cena. Used to be stronger. Yes. In the WWE. Used to be wrestling strong. Used to, yeah. Uh and Cypher teaming up are the perfect, perfect people to take out an important enough crew that Dom would sell his soul to ride to hell to save him. Yes. Now, we did say, after we watched Fan of the Furious, that it would be interesting if over the next few movies we saw Cypher create a counter-Fast and Holy Furious shit, it's team, starting. And it's happening. It's starting with, 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 with Dami, Dami Bowie. We didn't get his name. Jacob. Jacob Toretto. Jacob Toretto. Now, one thing that I will say from, uh, from watching this trailer is that you very much get the impression that this might be... And I know we say this a lot for things like your Zelda Twilight Princesses, but this might be the darkest installment of the Fast and Furious Cinematic Universe today. It rings of an Empire Strikes Back of a dark middle chapter. Everything's dark. The odds are against them. Well, what I was going to say halfway through watching that trailer is the color palette and the lighting it's, it's much seemed, more muted. seemed a lot darker than usual, yeah. besides for like the outside scenes. But everything, all of the scenes in the trailer... Leading up to the reveal that Jacob is Dominic Toretto's brother seemed muted and dark. And then all of the action, of course, was a lot brighter because they happened in day. But the company that put that trailer together, I think, knew what they were doing. Because trailers need to tell a story. Absolutely. To get people in the seats. I know why trailers work the way they do. I just don't agree with trailers at all. And I hate them. And I made an exception because it's so important to me. Yes. And I'm just belaboring that point. I feel like you are correct. I feel like this is going to be a dark middle chapter that can only resolve in Fast 10 <laughs> Highway to Hell. Yes. I didn't see any space. I did not That's see, my one concern. I did not see any space, which is a concern because I felt almost certain that Fast 9 would have some space in it. And we, we agreed on our roadmap of the rest of the series that we have to do space... Before we invoke the supernatural. Yes. We have, to, yes. we have to go through the realm of possibilities of reality first. Yes. Before we invoke the the extra reality, the extraordinary. And so I'm a little bit afraid maybe the, the entire third act happens in space. Because they wouldn't put that in the trailer, hopefully. Yes. Uh, although Hobbs and Shab trailer definitely ruined the third act of that movie. Hobbs and Shaw put way too much in them. I feel like that yeah. trailer didn't... The Hobbs and Shaw trailer, you knew it was spoiling it for you because it was a huge deal. I feel like that trailer was a little bit more sedate. Maybe. Now, for what it's worth, we know that almost every Fast and Furious movie post-5 
has a major vehicle-based final set piece. And that could be set in space. It could be a space station. Could be set in space. It was like a Toyota Tercel with a rocket engine. Maybe they launch it into space. Yeah, that was the the test run to see how fast it could go. Oh my god, if that's the test run at the end of this, they put rockets on all of their cars and they launch their cars into space. space. It, but, we, I mean, we agreed. If they're going to do Highway to Hell, if they're going to invoke the supernatural in 10, they got to go to Space in 9. That's the contingency. It's because they've explored... At that point, they've explored every biome. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, it's just... We've, they've done so much on Earth. They've done pretty much all you can do with a car already. Like, they skydived with cars... They they rode on ice with cars. Went underwater with cars. They went underwater, did they? I feel like there was like an underwater, like an amphibious vehicle thing that maybe the rock was driving. Maybe been on ice, been in jungles, been in deserts. Yeah, they've done. They've jumped cars from building to building. Like we've seen the physical extent of what you can do with cars on Earth under Earth's gravitational pull. Yeah, the only thing left to do would be to do space cars. And then once you do that, once you check that box, a new category opens up. The supernatural cars go to hell to save someone who unfortunately doesn't make it in Fast 9. I almost feel like someone has to not make it through Fast 9. Yeah, no, absolutely. If, if That's the only, So two contingency plans. Space and somebody super important. It might even be... Dominic Toretto himself. Yes. And then they have to bust him out of hell. It's like a prison break, but with hell. Yeah. Because criminals... Go to hell. I don't want to bring moralistic arguments into this. It's just... It's better thematically if it's a highway to hell... Rather than... Because of the alliteration for the title. Absolutely. And it, it echoes back to Highway to Hell, the song. and It's a whole thing. I, yeah, you already got the song for yeah. the trailer... Um, and I, I just don't, I don't think Roadway to Heaven, I, no, Highway to Heaven? No, it's gotta be Highway to Hell. Yeah, I mean, cause at the end of the day, you know, we wanna root against demons. Yes. The demon, like, look, the angel propaganda. Can I unit. sell you on the trailer for Highway to Hell real? The teaser, the yeah, teaser. Okay, do it. So we know that Dominic Toretto dies at the end of Fast and Furious 9. Let's assume that happens. All right. Uh, ends on a real bummer. Ends on a ends on an Infinity War. Leaves the audience gutted. Yeah. Teaser for the next Fast and Furious movie comes out. They're all sitting around. Clearly, a large amount of time has passed. Someone has a child with them. Brian's like grown up to be like five or six years have passed, and they're sitting around. And they're, they're saying, God, we miss him so much. What are we going to do? There's like some existential threat. And then it goes to, I don't know, Han. And he says, well, I have one idea. And then the opening guitar sting from Highway to Hell plays. Title, tr- teaser over. Yeah. It, it is trusted upon the audience to, to, not, under, connect to, the know, to understand what's happening there. And yeah. then it happens. I'm so psyched. For F9, the fast saga. It seems like it's gonna be a good time. It, I, I hope I hope they do commend, commemorative glasses for it. I will absolutely buy one. Yeah, me too. I'm so excited. I'm beyond thrilled. That trailer has hyped me up. 
I just hope it didn't reveal too much. I, I don't feel that it did. I feel like it was relatively conservative. But I'm glad that you broke the trailer rule for this because when I saw the trailer for the first time, I was like, Henry has got to see this. Yeah, he's got to see he it. He absolutely, without a doubt, has to see the entirety oh, of man. this trailer. Jesus Christ. That, there's so much going on. <laughs> I can't even... Just May 22nd. Um, May 22nd? That's not even summer. That's like tomorrow. It's very soon. I'm going to be out of town. Almost, what? No, that's the week before I go out of town. Well, you know what we have to do? Release. <laughs> release release night. Opening yeah, night. That's opening what they call night. that. Opening night. I haven't done an opening night since, I guess, the last Harry Potter movie. Really? Yeah. Didn't we go see, no, Hobbs and Shaw was an opening weekend, no, but not opening, opening weekend, night, yeah. but we traveled to a different city to watch it. Okay. Oh, yeah, because we, we saw another movie that, that whole time, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Oh, wow. I That trailer has actually left me kind of feeling drained. I can only buy tickets up to three months in advance. Damn it. <laughs> I was trying to see. Were you going through the season pass? No, season pass you can only buy a week in advance. I was trying yeah. to see if the tickets were available now. Gotcha. They're probably only available on Fandango or dumb, some dumb shit. Yeah, Dumb Dango. Dumb Dango. Dummy. Baby Nut. No. <laughs> no ba- okay. No. I feel like... I'm kind of... I'm kind of... I'm, I'm, I am fading fast. Like... Yeah. I gave a lot of my excitement to that trailer. God, it's so good. It's a good trailer. It makes you excited. Yeah. I, there are good trailers... I won't say all trailers are egregious or bad. I just... I don't like to be spoiled when it Absolutely. comes to... A visual medium known as movies. For what it's worth, when they said... Jacob is Dom's brother. I paused it. Yeah. And I said, under my breath, to my computer... No. <laughs> and then I knew that you had to see it. <laughs> the un- As of right now... Never before mentioned... Brother of Dominic Toretto. Yes. I feel like we are in the midst of a, of an 80s action saga. All the Toretto siblings are back. Dom, Jacob, Mia. Mia's back. Mia, Mia Toretto. Mia was in the trailer. Uh, we... the, the fact... No, okay. Just a little bit of weird like uh, YouTube video that analyzes too much of a trailer. The fact that Helen Mirren is in this, who is Mama Shaw... Mama Shaw. Is in this. Means that they are not divorcing Hobbs and Shaw from the Fast and Furious universe. But it is largely believed that The Rock will not be in Furious 9, F9, the Fast Saga whatsoever. I, Which is very odd to me, but maybe they'll they'll do something. I don't know. It's, it seems like they're di- it's difficult for them all to make movies together. I guess. So maybe they're they're being sensitive to that. Maybe I they say the feud was ended. I mean, how much of that is true? One can't I say. Know. I don't know. One cannot say. And I thought that because they were filming them at different time, I, I thought they were filming them concurrently and not one after the other. I think there was some amount of concurrent filming between the two. I thought so. Maybe, and maybe they're just releasing it at a good time. I don't know. Hard to say. It's very hard to say. There's only I one have, thing we can say. We've got high hopes. we got high, high hopes for yeah. men. If, when this movie comes out, we will be first in line, and we, we, we will be first... Yeah. To tell you, our dear fans, what we think. Yeah. So just know that in, in whatever week 
follows the opening of that movie, it will 100% be the Fast and Furious 9, F9, the Fast Saga, supplemental reading. I do not care if the single greatest political event has taken place. It does not matter. If the United States is within the grips of... Of a communist revolution, we will get on here and we'll do a yeah. supplemental reading of this goddamn Fast and Furious movie. Because if we don't have this, what do we have? I don't care what company Ryan Reynolds buys next. It will make no blip on the on the cultural radar in the week that Fast and Furious 9 comes out. None whatsoever. None what. Sorry, Mr. Reynolds, but your clout does not compare to eight movies of goodness. Hit or miss. <laughs> that... Equal to a really phenomenal experience that transcends cultural barriers and boundaries and brings us all together as one great big familia. How dare you, Ryan Reynolds, even suggest that? You heard me, Ryan Reynolds, Mr. Deadpool Wolverine Origins. Your cloud is out. And yeah. with that promise, I believe that brings us to the end of the episode. And, and, and yes, it does. So, Ryan Reynolds, if you object at all... To any of the things we just said, I don't care that you just bought Mint Mobile, you can tweet at us at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. And uh, John, what does that stand for? Uh, ZCPCWHJ at Twitter.com stands for Zion Crenolds, Ryan Crenolds. Ah, fuck. That's right. That's what it stands for, Mr. Reynolds. And you you, you should get in touch with us. And if you or lawyers want to send us a long cease and desist letter, they can via email at zero credits pod. It, what the fuck? Every time. God damn it. Zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. Send us your cease and desist. Send us your reast and resist. But never send us your meast and mazist. Mr. Reynolds. You can find us on Facebook. Who cares? We're also on Spotify. If you go to the podcast section of Spotify. And if you type in zero credit open parenthesis S close parenthesis. And if you hit that enter or search button. You will find us. That's where we are. We're on Apple Podcast. Under the same name, Zero Credits. Uh, and you, Mr. Reynolds, if you will, or your lawyer, leave us a review or a cease and desist on Apple Podcasts. We'll check it and we'll read it out loud on air. Uh, because that's what you do when you're a podcast. And um, I guess Pod Chaser is a thing, but they seem like a scam. So why would I mention them again? I don't know. Rate us on Podchaser. I think it weirdly aggregates back to iTunes somehow. I don't know how. Uh, they might be connected. Who cares? iTunes, Apple Podcasts. But last but not least, the most important thing, Mr. Reynolds, when you go to your Jake Gyllenhaal slash... What's his name? Um, Wolverine? Hugh Jackman Parties! We need you. Word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. So tell Jake Gyllenhaal, tell Hugh Jackman, tell Blake Lively, Taika Watiti, any of the people that you interact with on a daily basis, I can only assume. Tell Mint Mobile. 
Tell them about Zero Credits and they, in fact, will be so grateful they will give you another company to run, Mr. Reynolds. And that's right, Mr. Reynolds, I have one thing to say. Over the weekend, I went to go see the rhythm section. First of all, your wife is very talented. Secondly, your gin tastes like baby nut. So from everyone here... I do want to say, I'm just going to make a footnote right here, that eventually we want to talk about what happened to Pizza Rave during the Spy Racers episode. I just want to, so we don't forget, I want to make note of it now, but I'll throw it back to you. I, I believe you were wrapping up the episode. Yeah, noted. From everyone here, from the Zero Credits Two Bedroom, Two Bedroom, Two Bedroom, Two Bedroom, Two Bedroom, Two Bedroom podcast, we want to wish you a happy week. Goodbye. Bye. Why am I waving? Baby nut. Baby <laughs> nut. Baby <laughs> nut. Baby <laughs> nut. I'm getting more excited and you're getting more sad. <laughs>